Welcome to the Prophecy Club. Today we're going to be talking about beaten pulpits, burning churches. First of all, back in 2011, as you recall, I've read this many times, Shane Warren was watching television. All of a sudden, it turned into a vision of the future. He saw a weather broadcaster. Dollars were blowing in the wind, worthless as leaves. The next thing he saw was a New Madrid fault, basically splitting America. He also said that the devaluing of our dollar caused major rioting in the streets. He saw a sign saying, I want my entitlements. What are we seeing right now? I don't know if you've heard this or not, but I probably got 30 emails all telling me that coins have been pulled all across the nation. If you're going to buy a burger someplace, don't be surprised by what they can't give you coins. You must use a credit card. That's all part of the new financial system that we're getting. Now let's go to Terry Bennett. Terry said, I saw the governmental area will go through a dramatic change in our government. Well, the election of Donald Trump fulfilled that, but there's more. There would be a time of anarchy. Now, what's anarchy? That means no police. That means abolish the police, defund the police. That's what anarchy is. In other words, no government rule. A time of anarchy and chaos. We are there now. For a while, we'll have a fractional government, which means basically our government come down to the state level which to me says that there's no federal level government. Now, all these times I have been thinking, well, that's probably because of the arrests. When you arrest and you fulfill or you serve 176,436 sealed indictments, probably most of those are top government people, and that would eliminate the government to fulfill that. But based upon what Dana Coverstone says, it may be something more. We'll get that in a second. Let me finish reading this. So our government come down to the state level because the military has to step in, having secedes control of our federal government. Now, let's talk about that a second. He says that the military will step in and seize control of our federal government. He said you'd call it a coup, but in all honesty, it'll be to help our nation. Now, I don't think our federal government taking over, removing Trump from office would be helping our nation. But we'll get to that in a second. Having to seize control of the federal government, you'd call it a coup, but in all honesty, it would be to help our nation. That's why the military will step in. Now, let's go to what Dana Coverstone, if I can get his name right, Coverstone said. I saw in Washington, D.C., burning, set ablaze. I saw capitals surrounded. I saw state houses, state capitals surrounded with people screaming, making outrageous demands. Now, here's the point. I saw all the curtains pulled in the Oval Office and the White House. I saw nobody moving around. I was shown inside the actual Oval Office and no one in that office. No one was seated in the seat. There was no cabinet members, no secretary, no one in the Oval Office. I saw a long conference table. I saw senators, but I did not see Congress. Now, what's going on? Let's go back to what Terry Bennett said. For a while, we'll have a fractional government, which means basically our government come down to the state level because the military is stepping in and seizing control of our federal government. That sounds to me like what happens is martial law is declared. Now, let me talk about that. So I had to look it up a couple of years ago, looked it up. The difference between a national emergency and martial law. National emergency was declared by Trump, what, about five, six weeks ago during the coronavirus. Maybe we got about to declare a national emergency because of the coronavirus. The national emergency gives the president extra powers 
just like he was able to tell some places that they had to start, uh, had to stop making cars, they had to start making ventilators, and they had to do it. And there were other places like they had to go back to work making and, and butchering chickens and stuff like that. They had to do it. Okay, so it gives the president more power and authority. But martial law, oh, different, different altogether. Martial law suspends the Constitution for up to five years and puts the military in charge. Now, that sounds to me like what happened. Okay, so let's assume that we are looking at martial law. What would cause martial law? Well, you could say, well, COVID, some kind of bad virus. Yes. You could also say, well, you know, maybe the riots in the street, burning and looting, and that's all going to be part of it. Yes. But I'll tell you what keeps coming to mind with me. I think that the whole point, the primary point, while there's many things to do with it, but the primary point, the primary reason this whole virus was man-made and man-released was to get mail-in ballots to be the way the president is selected. In other words, the Dems want mail-in ballots. Why? I believe if the truth was known, and I do not know the truth, but if the truth was known, I suspect that somebody someplace on this planet is already printing ballots. And at the right time, they're going to come out with either a mutated virus or a much, much worse virus. Either way, it's going to be much worse. As you recall, I had that dream where I saw two men getting on a plane and an audible voice said two men will get on a plane with a virus. Before the plane can land, everyone on board would be dead. Well, this will be the beginning of the end of public air, air transportation. That sounds to me like that's not COVID-19. That's something that kills much quicker and much more deadly than COVID-19. So it could be a virus. But in my opinion, I think all of this virus is to get mail-in ballots. Why? I think somebody someplace is already printing the mail-in ballots. And I think that they are going to cheat. And my guess is, and I do not have one prophecy on this, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just like you. I, I wish God would tell me more, but unfortunately, he's hard to get. <laughs> he he's hard to get information out of. He he keeps his secrets very close. But I've asked him many times, but he hasn't shown me yet. So I have to guess. So my guess is that someplace in there, the virus gets so bad, Trump basically says, "No, I'm not going to do mail-in ballots." I'm simply going to declare a martial law. And he turns the White House and everything else over to his buddies, the military boys, and they really start cleaning house. At least that's what I'd like to think happens. But what I'm afraid might happen is maybe they do the mail-in ballots because the virus does get that bad and Trump loses. That would even be worse. I mean, if we're going to go into a martial law, I would prefer to have Trump I don't know if you even call that in second place, how all that all works out. But I'd prefer to have Trump call the martial law rather than Biden or whatever actually gets put in there. Okay, so my point is, here's where I'm going with this, then we can go to something else. My point is, I think that the fall of America is in progress. I think that 6-6-2020 was an attack on the White House. Uh, again, we've filed a Freedom of Information Act and... One of the brothers is trying to get us the information, confirmation on that. And frankly, I don't really expect it to come because who's going to tell that kind of information? I mean, you'd have to really have an inside source. And anyway, 
So probably we won't get confirmation. I'm not expecting. If I get, I'll be happy, but I'm not expecting it. Probably God is going to count the internal revolution starting on, about, or around November the 11th, because as you recall, November the 11th of 1620 was when the Mayflower Compact was signed. That's when America's made a compact or a pact with God to make a new nation for the furtherance of the Christian faith, unquote. 400 years later is November the 11th of 2020. My best guess is whatever happens on November 3rd is the thing that will start, without question, the internal revolution. And some of the people will start fighting against the government. The government is basically going to have to declare martial law. Trump has to step aside. Martial law comes in. The Constitution is suspended. All of our rights are suspended. That means all of them, the right to keep and bear arms, they're all gone if he declares martial law. And I think rather than to turn the presidency over to the Dems because they cheated, because they did a bunch of lying and cheating, mail-in ballots, and he really was elected. Uh, I mean, by the way, on the polls, I've, there's so many liars in America. So many liars. There's, uh, we are a nation of liars. These polls are lying. Trump is not behind. He's way ahead. Everybody knows that. The Dems know that. that. You just can't get the truth out of them. You can't pry the truth out of a Dem with a crowbar. They just won't do it. Okay, now let's go on to the next thing. Now let's tie this together with what Dana Coverstone said. I call it broken pulpits, burning churches. He says, in the dream, I saw hundreds of thousands of wolves in a valley. They were all dark gray, menacing wolves, but all sleeping. They were nuzzling each other, just laying around with no movement at all. Now, let me tell you, I think that that's the people that are really supposed to be in church. They're probably children and grandchildren of Christians, but they're not in church. But they are wolves. Suddenly, a very dark figure began running into the middle of the wolves with a whip and began whipping all the wolves. The wolves began to wake up. They were shrieking and making horrible noises as they're waking up due to being hurt. The person kept whipping them stirring them up, in, uh, them up into a frenzy. I think that this is started by the communists. All of these communists, the, the newspapers, the TV, the radio, that are all saying bad things about Trump and bad things about our nation, they're stirring up the people. Again, they're starting the internal revolution. That's what it's talking about. He was not beating them on purpose. He was instilling fear in them. He was trying to stir them up. He kept whipping every single wolf in the area. They showed respect to him. They showed fear of him. He was their master and kept whipping up these wolves. Again, that's CNN, ABC, CBS, all of those people out there that are telling lies. The wolves cowed down, and he stopped and pointed his finger, turning in a circle and said, go to the cities. All right, what are we starting to see right now? They're starting to go from the cities even into the neighborhoods. Let's go on, though. The wolves took off in every direction, howling, howling at the top of their lungs. The sky was dark. A dark figure set loose these things. They are being sent to the cities after being whipped and beaten. The scene changed. Now I'm standing in front of hundreds of TV sets. I'm seeing hundreds of men and women of God who are pastors to blacks, whites, Asians, Indians, all over the world. I saw myself, and we're all preaching the gospel. Each one of us is sweating. I can see the sting coming off of our heads, showing just how fervent we are preaching. We are preaching and teaching hard. 
We are teaching biblical principles, dealing with major issues. We are calling people to righteousness. By the way, I think that's why he got these dreams, because he's a man of righteousness. He might believe in a preacher of rapture. He might not know all of the stuff about prophecy, but he is a preacher of righteousness. That's why God gave this to him. We are calling people to righteousness, holiness, and to give up ungodly things that are part of their lives. I'm seeing all of these men and women preach. I see people in their chairs and the pews, and some are looking at their watches and yawning. Some are asleep. Others are simply uncomfortable. They do not want to be there. Some people are walking out. I see a handful, a small core group in every church, emphatically listening, supporting their pastors, and supporting the doctrine. Okay, now, who are these people that are looking at their watches and yawning, uncomfortable, and they don't really want to be there? Those, my brothers and sisters, those are the tares. See, the interesting thing about a tear, when it's growing up, that's the reason Jesus said, well, remember this, this parable of the, uh, the, the sower, okay? He says, a, a, a gentleman went in and sowed seeds into the good fertile ground. And in the night, some an enemy came in and sowed tares among them. So they came to him the next day and said, what do we do? Do we pull up the tares? He said, no, if you pull up the tares, you'll also pull up the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. That's the one harvest. That's the day of trumpets. Then we will gather first, Matthew thirteen thirty. gather first the tares, bind them into bundles, cast them into the fire, then gather the wheat into the barn. You see, a tear, when it's growing up, can't be, you can't tell a difference between a tear and a wheat. Well, I mean, when people are sitting in the pews at church, you can't tell the difference between people that are really sincere and really love the Lord versus people that are just sitting there. A lot of times, well, a tear looks just like the wheat until the harvest. And at the time of the harvest, the wheat has big, heavy seeds. So it bends over, whereas the tear, the, the seeds are very, very small. So it stands up. It's taller than the wheat. It's almost like it stands up with pride. So the first thing the farmer does is go through his wheat field and carefully make certainly he pulls all of the tares out. Because if one of those seeds gets into the wheat, it makes the flour very bitter. It ruins the flour. So the first thing he does is remove all of the tares. Carefully make certain he gets every one of them, binds them into bundles, casts them into the fire. Then, after all of the tares are destroyed, then he gathers the wheat into the barn. And see, what he's saying is the problems that are going to be caused for us in the future, it's not coming from the Muslims. It's not coming from the grape nations. It's not coming from the Buddhists. What is going to come after Christians, my brothers and sisters, are the Christians. If you go into Revelation 17, and it's talking about the Pope, it's talking about the, the Catholic Church, and I'm not trying to beat up on the Catholic Church, but you have to understand your Catholic Church is going to be hijacked by the false prophet. And it says, And in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints, and over all that were slain upon the earth. Another place it says, And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. That's the Catholic Church, meaning what is going to be coming after us is not going to be the sinners, it's the saints. It's the rapture disappointed Christians. So you have to understand the people that are your problems are going to be the people we didn't win to the Lord. Some of them you just can't win. 
I mean, Bible says that no one can call Jesus Lord except the Holy Spirit draws him. Okay, let's go back to the drink. He says they were kneeling in prayer and supportive. These are the people that were emphatically listening and supporting uh, the doctrine. They were kneeling in prayer and supportive. They knew some people were not paying attention and were praying for those in the chairs behind them. There was a gap between those really listening and paying attention and those that were not. Suddenly, the howling of wolves was heard outside. You could hear them scratching at the door, trying to get in. People up front began to aggressively pray against the enemy spirit. The wolves came in and began to sniff the people at the back. The wolves all had red eyes. In other words, these are the demons. The wolves sat in the pews beside the people who were not listening, even those who did not really understand. There was a wolf beside them. There was no fear, no worry, no concern. They did not even realize they were there. The more and the louder I preached, and the more intensely I preached, the more I dealt with issues, the things that were wrong, the more the people that sat in the back of the church began to stir. The wolf's eyes became redder and redder. As the people got irritated, the wolves would begin to growl. The people who are not listening begin saying, Shut up. Stop saying that. I don't want to hear that. The enemy had worked up these wolves to come into the church. They stirred up the people and the wolves started coming after them. On the screens, I saw wolves coming up near other pastors and preachers and other men and women of God who are trying to say, Do not do this. Stop sinning. This is the way. You know, Jesus said to go. The way was narrow, and the gate was very small to get in, so we were preaching that kind of message. The wolves start nipping at my leg and bite some others I see on the screen. They start growling and getting into our face. One jumps on the pulpit, another growling in my face, the saliva dripping from his teeth. I try pushing him off. He bites my arm, grabbing my legs. The other preachers and pastors who share the same heart for ministry, some of the wolves are taking them down to the ground and growling. But we keep preaching. See, what would this is saying, brothers and sisters? This is telling us what's coming. If we call the name of Jesus, if we are trying to preach, you better be ready for this kind of attack. And it's not going to be from Muslims. It's not going to be from Buddhists. It's not going to be from atheists. It's going to be from people who used to name the name of Jesus. I'm telling you, they will get rapture disappointed, and they will be furious at Christians, God, church, Bible, anything to do with it. And they're going to come after us. So this is what we have to prepare our hearts to resist, to not quit, just like I talked on Sunday. Don't quit. Have patience. Let's go on. The people at the altar are praying for safety and protection. The wolves were not necessarily attacking the people that were praying. They were stirring up the people who are not listening to attack the preachers. I'm preaching and trying to kick a wolf off here and there. We were overwhelmed and attacked. People were getting up and leaving and slamming the doors behind them, making sins, hollering, we're not coming back. You won't shut up. So we're done hearing this. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. And they leave. Suddenly, the scene changed. Then I saw courtrooms. I saw judges and gavels pounding, pounding the bench. I saw pastors in chains. See, brothers and sisters, we've got to get ready for this. We've got to get ready. And the way is to memorize our scripture, to know our word, to have our prayer closet. I was in shackles. I saw people in jury seats and witness stands. They are crying and judges are saying, you can no longer preach this message. You can no longer declare this type of lifestyle as sin. 
You cannot say anything about this kind of lifestyle. You cannot say anything bad about this situation. You cannot not address these things from the pulpit ever again. You cannot say this. You cannot say that. You cannot say Jesus is the only way. You cannot say abortion is sin. You cannot deal with alternative lifestyles. You cannot say these things violate Scripture. You can no longer preach from the Scripture. And most of us in there were saying, we cannot do that. We cannot do that. See, brothers and sisters, we got to set our jaw now. Like I talked about Sunday, if you haven't heard Sunday's sermon about don't quit, you need to go listen to that. The gavel comes down in anger. The judges are mad. I saw churches surrounded by unbelievers, mobs of people yelling, shut it down, shut it down, burn it down. I saw people so hateful towards the church, harassing people coming out of the church, going home. I saw hateful attitudes. I saw people harassing believers going into church services. I saw people waiting outside the church just to harass other people. But the thing that stood out in my mind the most were the people who had been sitting in the pews not listening. The biggest persecutions the church is going to face has already started. The biggest persecution will come from those who sat in the churches and never accepted the Word of God as the Word of God. They were raised in church, all their families. Now they want to walk away because they don't like Jesus' teaching. They don't like true preaching. They don't like the Word of God. They don't like people calling them, saying, this is sin. This is wrong. You cannot do this. You cannot do that. You have to do it this way. It was the sons, are you listening? It was the sons and daughters and grandchildren of Christians who have been raised in church all of their lives. Are you listening? Who've been raised in church all of their lives. They said, we've had it. There is nothing in this for me. This gospel has no power, has no authority. It says we cannot have this. We cannot do this. I cannot go where I want to go. I cannot do what I want. I cannot say what I want. Those were the people who were screaming, throwing rocks, baseball bats, guns in their hands, throwing threats at us who were coming out of the church. The anger was led once again by those who had fallen away. He says, I do believe that people can fall away from the Lord. And by the way, I can give you a scripture on that too. You can lose your salvation, but that's another day. Those were the people who were pushing back against everything that they had been taught. Those that had gone away to college, they went away, became very, very liberal. All they think, all they do. Those who have given them to some of the ideas of the protest movements that we're seeing today the ideologies that say that one race is better than others. The pastors were preaching where every race and color, black, white, Native American, Indian, African, Russian, Chinese. But the biggest persecution, my brothers and sisters, is going to come from those people that walked away from the church. Then I saw pulpits being chopped up with axes. I saw big old wooden pulpits chopped to pieces. I saw plexiglass pulpits hammered to pieces. I saw Christians in chains. I saw them being publicly ridiculed, publicly assaulted because their ideas were old-fashioned and needed to go. Then I heard a cry. I'd heard it for six months. Something was added to it. I heard, brace yourself and endure it to the end. And just like that, I woke up. Now, let's talk about this. What's coming? Persecution's coming. I don't know when this happens, whether this is before the Russian attack, but I can guarantee it's going to be this or worse after the Russian attack. What we've got to do is come out of the world. I heard another voice out of heaven saying, come out of her, my people, 
that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. For her sins reached unto heaven, God hath remembered her iniquity. Reward her, even as she rewarded you. Double and her double, according to her works, in the cup that she has filled, filled to her double. How much she has glorified herself and lived deliciously, so much torment and sorrow give her. You see, America is the nation that took the Bible to the world, and America is the nation that took the filth to the world. And now, us Christians that haven't done our job, and that falls to all of us, that haven't won enough, that haven't talked, haven't invited, haven't convinced the world to come into the church, to become Christians, to accept Jesus, those that have not. And by the way, this has been going on for 60 or 70 years. All of a sudden, now we're about to reap our rewards. All of a sudden, these people that grew up in church are going to turn against the church. In my opinion, it's primarily the lie teaching of the pre-trib rapture, which, by the way, my book, Why Pre-Trib One, will be out before the end of the month. And I guess you can probably go to Prophecy Club. I don't think they have it up on the website yet, but here shortly it'll be up on the website. But it's called How Pre-Trib Run. I'll talk about that more. But the point is, at this point, the crusade, I understand, is filled, but they are still taking names for a waiting list because there could be some last-minute cancellations. So you can still get in, but at this point, you'll probably have to call the office, which is 785-266-1112. 785-266-1112 if you want to go to the crusade. My understanding, it is full, but again, we're taking a waiting list because there's a few people that are not certain they're even going to be able to come. So we're doing a waiting list at this point. In 2017, I memorized the book of Revelation. I was shown a secret door linking the feasts to the prophecies of Revelation. For the first time, the book of Revelation can be put in correct chronological order. You can understand Bible prophecy. 1 for 20, 5 for 30, 10 for 55. What is the most important information to every beating heart on the globe? After except Jesus, it would be don't take the mark of the beast. Those taking the mark of the beast do not get soul death, but are tormented in the lake of fire and brimstone for eternity. How do you tell them? Give them, miss the mark. 1 for 20, 10 for 30, 20 for 40. Over the past 32 years, I've collected the best 101 prophecies from Dimitri Dudeman, Michael Boldea, Leslie Johnson, Henry Gruber, Shane Warren, Terry Bennett, Marie Sklar, Augusto Perez, Doug Metzger, and more. It's called God's Warnings for America. 1 for 20, 5 for 30, 10 for 55. My new book is called Tribulation Secrets in Daniel because that's what it does. It shows you the part of Daniel you need to know, being you're about to be a tribulation saint, and will desperately need to know and understand about the last days you live in. 1 for 20, 10 for 30, 20 for 40 at prophecyclub.com. Prophecyclub.com. Emergency food is almost sold out everywhere. However, because of our relationship with HeavensHarvest.com, they have made an entire truckload available to Prophecy Club in a few weeks where others are totally out or waiting for months. They have all sorts of emergency supplies and food at HeavensHarvest.com. Their food comes in square stackable buckets, breakfast, entree, protein, fruits and vegetables. HeavensHarvest.com makes it easy to order. I recommend you have at least 12 months of food for each person in your family. Receive a free box of heirloom seeds when you enter the promo code STAN. That's HeavensHarvest.com, promo code S-T-A-N. HeavensHarvest.com, promo code STAN. When a nuclear device is detonated, the wind blows the dust settling on everything around you. 
Then, you breathe, eat, or absorb radioactive iodine, which then kills your thyroid and kills you. A simple fix is to immediately take potassium iodate pills, which flood your thyroid with good iodine, keeping the radioactive iodine out. You need one bottle per person per exposure for everyone from infant to adult. Ten bottles available for a gift of $225 or $25 per bottle at prophecyclub.com. Shelf life from five to eight years, potentially more if you refrigerate or freeze it. That's prophecyclub.com potassium iodate pills. CornerstoneAssetMetals.com is owned by a prophecy student who reads his King James Bible and supports Prophecy Club. Call CornerstoneAssetMetals.com for gold, silver, palladium, rhodium bars, or coins. They can help you roll over your IRA, 401k, so tell CornerstoneAssetMetals.com Prophecy Club sent you. The easiest way to listen and watch Prophecy Club YouTube videos is to download our free app from the App Store. This is not to be confused with WatchProphecyClub.com, where you can watch 26 years and over 300 DVDs for a subscription of $20 a month to $200 a year. The app allows you to watch our YouTube videos and listen to our radio programs very easily. Go check it out at your App Store. Click like, share, and subscribe.